Hey, everybody. Thanks for listening. This is the podcast of Managing with Common Sense. I'm the host, Glenn Cruz. Today, this topic is about IT pet peeves. I know a lot of people have pet peeves out there, especially in the IT world. And we have two special guests today, Herman Brown from the District Attorney's Office, San Francisco District Attorney's Office. He's the CIO over there. And also John Walton. He's the former CIO at the County of San Mateo and San Francisco and and everything else. He's in the private side being a CIO somewhere. He'll explain that all. So without further ado, let's get right into the podcast. Uh, hi, everyone. Thank you for joining my podcast. This is my podcast of Managing with Common Sense. And uh, today I have gr- two great guests with me, Herman Brown and John Walton. And they are pretty much the, the, the top level kind of people you'll want to meet and get to know really well. I'll say that. Uh, they might be humble and say they're not, but I think you know, uh, they're pretty high level to me. So uh, Herman Brown is from uh, the DA's office. Of, he's the CIO for the DA office for the, uh, is the city or county of San Francisco? Or is there a oh. county? I don't know. Well, All of it? No, but... All of it. <laughs> <laughs> Herman's well, a double well, threat. Let's not get confused. So, so first and foremost, so yes, I am the chief information officer for the San Francisco District Attorney's Office. Not to be confused with being the city CIO, because uh, that does happen, and that's not necessarily a good thing for the person who is city CIO. So, I don't want to step on any toes there. Um, and then you're talking about having two great people on. Uh, I want to say that you have one great person on. I want. I'll let the audience so you decide on who that one great person is. But I'll say it's not me. But you know. Uh, but thank you for having me. Yeah, yeah. And then there's John. John, I don't know what you do anymore. <laughs> the mystery. It's a mystery. <laughs> well, he was he was the former uh, CIO for the County of San Mateo, and now he's I don't know. He's doing IT everything right now. So, John, go oh. ahead. <laughs> yeah. No. Thanks, Glenn. Uh, it's great to be here, and and Herman is very humble. And uh, if he's not great, then none of us are great on this podcast. So, uh, you know, but it's great to be here with everybody. I, I have done a lot of different jobs. I still do a lot of different jobs. I was deputy CIO in the city of San Jose, CIO in San Francisco, and then CIO in San Mateo, but also did a lot of uh, private consulting gigs in between. And right now I split my time between being a CIO for a Native American tribe in the Midwest called the Iowa tribe of Kansas and Nebraska, which I'm I love that job and very, uh, very honored to be part of that tribe and help them out. And then also I'm helping as a VP for a VAR out of Southern California called Impex and helping them try to grow their company and business. Awesome. So question for you two, how'd you guys know each other? I'll let Herman tell that story. <laughs> if you guys how can't see it, this is our podcast, so you can't see the facial expression. <laughs> so it's, it's, it's pretty mind blowing. I'll say that. <laughs> Uh, you know, J- John and I met through a through a mutual friend. I won't go into the whole, you know, details and backstory of, of how that all came about, but um, we met through a mutual friend, and I was working in an ad agency at the time, and and probably about six months or so after I had met John, I decided, you know, it was time for me to make a change, and um, I started looking, and I saw this job opportunity, and I was like, what was that guy's name that, that I had met with the city? And, uh, and I reached out to our mutual friend and he put us in contact and we talked and next thing you know, um, I'm 
the city and county of San Francisco working for John. Yeah. Nice. That's that's the that's that's the that's the short sweet story that I'll tell. So Herman. how long you get, how long you guys work together? Ooh, two or three years, Herman, before I left the city, you think? Maybe two? Yeah, 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 maybe two. Yeah. Herman it was there. Great, it wasn't a long time. It wasn't a long, long time, you know, not as long as I would like to have, because John has a lot of wealth of knowledge and and uh, you know, the city and its workings because he had been there for a while, but he passed on some good knowledge in yeah, Herman. Uh, Herman was a great addition to our team. Yeah, we uh, the city was going through a lot of uh, change at that time, and we had a lot of things in motion. We were trying to improve, and uh, Herman was a, a great leader coming in and helping us out with all that. So when I left, I felt you know there was a lot of great people there, and I felt Herman was exactly one of those people that you know you always try to leave a place better than when you got there and i would definitely say when i left the city and county of san francisco they had a great team of people and and all the right players to continue to be great so herman just continues that tradition he just you know stepped it up and, and kept doing it after i bailed out <laughs> it sounds like john like you always built some great teams um and you create a great culture in in your environment and you've done that sounds like for the city and I you met your crew at uh, County of San Mateo too. And it seems like they, you know, your leadership style tends to attract a lot of good people that just don't want to leave. Um, how do you do that? How do you pick those kind of people? <laughs> you know, I, I guess it's a combination of just feeling blessed to, uh, to have people that like Herman and others that want to come work for for an organization i mean it's you know you have to work for public sector because you love it you have to want to go there and you know my goal was always to try to attract people my dad always says you know hire people or play sports with people that are better than you and smarter than you because that's how you're going to get better and so my goal always in every job i've had um, has been to try to hire the best and the brightest and not only does the organization benefit from that but i always felt like i benefited from that and, uh, you know, I wouldn't say I had a real methodology or plan. I just, that was just always my goal. My goal was, you know, some CIOs are super smart technically. I wouldn't say I was ever the smartest technical CIO. There's a lot of CIOs out there that know a lot more than I do technically, but I always kind of viewed myself as more of a, a recruiter, <laughs> as a cheerleader for my team, uh, trying to just remove barriers. I used to joke and say my job was to go to meetings so they didn't have to waste their time doing it and they could do, do, do the important stuff, you know. So uh, it's always embarrassing for me because all the hard work the staff did, sometimes we would get, you know, awards or acknowledgement. And I always tried to accept them on behalf of the team because to be honest with you, it was the team that did all the work, right? I just, uh, I was just a figurehead. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if I could could add to that, what I can say from having worked from John and what I've learned from John is, is, is also John gave, you know, his team, his staff, the ability to succeed, right? He didn't try to, to hold anyone back or keep anyone in the in their lane, you know, so to speak, uh, as he encouraged people to, to be self-motivated, to be self-disciplined, to go out and do what needed to be done, you know, and just bring back that information to to the rest of the group and share that with the rest of the group and knowledge and, and work together as a team. And I think that's what really makes a difference in having a great, you know, support team. You know, that's the difference between a good support team and a great support team, right? You know, yes. so, uh, you know, I think that's where, where John's, you know, one of his strengths are. Yeah, I, you know, not to, not to keep bringing my dad up, but I'm just to 
kind of riffing on what you're saying, Herman. I mean, I used to help my dad work on cars a lot, right? And my dad always said there was like three levels of people when you worked with them. And he used to, you know, give me a hard time about what level I was at. He was like, you know, at, at the first level, people have to tell you what to do. And he said, you know, right now I'm having to tell you, like, get me that wrench, go over there, get that part. And he's like, then after a while, you're going to get to the part place where you can anticipate what needs to be done and be ready ahead of time. Like, Hey dad, here's the wrench you're going to need in a minute, right? You're ready. You're ready with the tool. And then, you know, the final stage is when you just do it all yourself, right? Like they just say, Hey, the car broke, go fix it. He's like, I'm trying to get you that final stage. Like I'll always mentor you and coach you right now. I'm having to tell you how to do everything but I want to get you to that place where, you know, you're comfortable doing it and I'm comfortable with you doing it. And I always felt like with my teams, that was always my goal. Like I didn't want to, some people really like to tell people what to do and I'm, that's not really my thing. I'll, I'll do it if I have to. Right. But to me, that was the manager, like managers manage people, leaders try to encourage people and, and, and make them successful. And so my goal was always to try to get people to that phase where they felt comfortable and confident that like, Hey, I can do anything. I'll go out there and, you know, go to that meeting or fix that problem and, you know, uh, be successful and, and create that environment. So I was just lucky to get people like Herman and other people that, you know, kind of bought into that idea and were fearless and entrepreneurial and, you know, dedicated and, and did all those things. So it made my job easy. So you, so my dad always let me just hold the flashlight. That was my <laughs> job. I, I, he didn't let me like get the wrench. He's like, I know what tool to get. Just hold the flashlight where I want it. So <laughs> I graduated eventually, like two, three year, years later down the road. I mean, these were the days of, you You guys remember, there's the carburetor days. If, oh, you miss a, if you miss a spring or put a wrong screw in that carburetor, it's not going to run right. Or drop the screw down the carburetor oh, like yeah. I did a few times for my dad. He was real pleased when I did that. <laughs> uh, uh, where'd that one go? I, I don't know. <laughs> and back then, they didn't have those long magnet things back then. Nope. <laughs> Anywho, all right, guys, this, this, this uh, podcast is about IT pet peeves. Um, I mean, I brought this subject to you guys earlier, and you guys were like, we could talk for hours. And I have a few words and probably a few, few little sentences here, here and there, but we could just go off it a little bit. Um, but I want my first take with you guys is when I say IT pet peeves, what's the first thing that just on the top of your list that's a big pet peeve in it uh the word for me the word no no that's a big pet peeve for me yeah wow well you know i i i believe that any tech issue can be solved as long as you're willing to put forth the resources time money and people right so from an it perspective um, but it's not our job to say no, it's our job to come up with solutions. So we figure out how do we solve the problem, the issue. So we remove no from our vocabulary and we just provide the solution. I allow the business to be the no, right? Because they're not willing to invest the resources, time, money, or people into solving the problem. But what I do with my team is, hey, look, we come up with three different solutions. We make a recommendational, recommendation on one of those solutions. And then we allow the business to look at that and say, hey, we can't do A, B, or C, or yes, we're going to do this one, um, but but we don't say no. We never tell our staff, no, we can't do something. We can do it all. Even, even when we know the answer is no, we can do it all. Yeah. But, that, but, but that's like, you know, IT is known for, right, is always having solutions. 
And we get a bad rap of sometimes of like not coming up with a solution or being innovative right right away. And that kind of just like, well, we're the we're the problem solvers, right? Because you know, you submit a ticket, we're gonna we'll solve your problem if they have a ticketing system. It's mostly just some people just shoot an email. But anyway, what are you, John? What's the first thing that comes in your mind? Oh man, that's tough. Uh, you know, the, my pet IT pet peeves are kind of just more general pet peeves that apply to IT because uh, I find there's a lot of overlap. I don't have any like specific. Oh no, we I, could go all all over the place if you guys want to. So yeah, go ahead. I, IT pet peeves, but I think it applies to IT because I, you know, I probably spend like like everyone, you know, far more time in my job life than I do in my personal life sometimes. So I think the two overlap, but uh, I think the first one that comes to mind is. You know, I was raised and always have tried to just be very sort of straightforward about this is what we can do. This is when we'll do it by just just do what you say and say what you're going to do, you know, and and just be very straightforward. And increasingly, I found, you know, maybe it's sales, software salespeople or things like that or or people, you know, they they want to sort of over promise and under deliver. And that stuff just always drove me crazy. I was just like, like, I don't, I'm very straightforward about stuff. Just tell me what you can do. Tell me when you're going to do it by let's agree on that and let's get it done. And I didn't like it when, whether it was vendors or staff would over promise and under deliver or, or the other way with like always under promise and then try to get, you know, special kudos for doing a little extra. I'm just like, just, just say what you're going to do and just do it. You know, I, uh, and it kind of segues into my second pet peeve, which I'll just jump ahead on this. Um, you know, there were times when I uh, worked with people in IT and it wasn't a technical thing as much as I, I called them my arsonists because they were good people, but it would drive me crazy. Like some people just love drama and they love to create problems, right? And so you would be in a meeting and somebody would call a meeting. We got to talk about this. It's the end of the world, blah, blah, blah is happening. So you'd go to this meeting and you'd be like, hey, what's up? You know, it's really, it sounds really important. I had to rearrange my whole schedule and blah, blah. They would paint this huge picture and then they'd get done and you're like, uh, okay, like the solution's pretty easy. They'd be like, yeah, yeah, I thought of that too. I'll go do that. And you're like, uh, okay. <laughs> it's like, like you lit that fire and now like we're all here and it's not really a fire and you're saying you can put it out. Like you don't get extra points for that really, you know, and now you've kind of wasted everybody's time and made a huge dramatic scene out of something that didn't need to be that dramatic. So that was a big pet peeve. A lot of my time as a CIO got sucked up into, into meetings and drama that I felt people were just trying to create drama or, or energy around something that, that we didn't need to do. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I got one word for you guys, and this happens to be a challenge with IT alone is legacy. As <laughs> <laughs> I see your guys' facial expression. And when I bring up that word legacy, what that what is that what is that like popping your head? I mean, I know I, I I could say a billion things right now about legacy, and that's like a bad word in IT. <laughs> I think. <laughs> I can think of one project we worked on together, Whoa. Herman, that I won't name, uh, that legacy came up a couple of times in the, in the course of the project. Talk about it. Let's go. Let's see. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I mean, I think there's, there's three different things that come up when you, when you mention the word legacy and I think what John was alluding to when I, one of those items for me is staff 
right? You know, you especially being in government, you have legacy staff that are sometimes resistant to change because they're they're stuck into their old ways and and because we're not, yeah, you know, and so it can be very hard to try and move or progress with things when you have legacy employees that that want to keep things the status quo because they're comfortable in that, you know, um, which I tell people that you know you're in the wrong business. If, you know, if you're in IT and you want to stay with the status quo and you want to be comfortable uh, your whole career, because that's not what IT is about. IT is constantly changing and, and evolving. So that's the first thing that 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 it comes to mind to me when you say legacy, the word legacy. Yeah, same here. Mar mine's like, how long have we had? You know, we're still on Windows Server 2008 or something like that, and we haven't graduated yet. And we need the new tools that like Windows Server, I don't know what it is. I haven't touched, I haven't done system admin for years. I don't know what it is these days. Windows Server 2012, I really don't know. <laughs> 2019. Yeah, 2019. I, I think, you know, I'm, I'm not a, I'm not a CIO anymore. I'm not a political appointee, so I don't have to worry about offending so many people. So I'll be, I guess maybe I'll be a little more specific and blunt now because it's all in my rearview mirror. Um, <laughs> Which I guess this is, I guess this is that fork in the road. I reached that fork in the road in my life. I'll have to write this on the calendar where I'll never be a public sector CIO again. This will be the, will be the end <laughs> of that, right? They'll look back at the stay and say, "Well, then John said this, and that well, was." Oh, John, it. you already reached that plateau. That's that's yeah. I guess so. Journey's already um, closed, or unless you yeah. Want to I guess I just didn't realize that. Um, for me, legacy. I replaced so many systems, and this wasn't specific to any one organization. I. Uh, I was in San Jose when we went through Y2K and we were trying to get rid of a bunch of old systems. And then when I was in San Francisco, we always tried to replace old systems with new systems. And the theme continued to San Mateo, you know, it was, it was always a story about, we have all these old systems that we don't like, that are expensive to maintain and they don't meet our needs. So let's go spend millions of dollars on this shiny new system, which we would do. And then we get to the end of it and the stakeholders or the people that own those old systems would just refuse to turn the old systems off, right? And so then as a CIO, I'd get up in front of the board or I'd be in a meeting with an executive and he'd say, where's our savings? Why, why haven't we turned that old stuff off? And in government, one of the things that was my pet peeve is, you know, you have different people at different levels and different titles, but in my view, really it was a very uh, flat, organization because you could have a person in any position <laughs> in the hierarchy and they would just say no i'm a i'm an xyz position i'm so low on the org chart it takes 10 pages to find me but i'm not going to give up my system and everybody would just sort of shrug their shoulders and be like okay well that person is unhappy or likes the old system they've been working on it for 30 years they don't want to turn it off we'll just keep it until they retire and so we get these proliferation of legacy systems, right? And they would just, we would keep implementing new things with this idealistic view that we're gonna turn off the old stuff and just focus on the new stuff. But what happened is we would just, it was like an archeology span project. We would just layer another new system on an old system and layer another and we would never turn the old stuff off because somebody somewhere felt uncomfortable or unhappy with that idea. And all it took was one person <laughs> anywhere in the organization yeah. to say, I don't know. I've got, well, if you turn it off, I've got 30 years of files on that server. I guess you just don't care. Well, I'll just delete all those, you know, and everybody panic. Oh, we can't do that. You know? So uh, yeah, it just, it drove me crazy as a CIO because I really wanted to, I'm, 
I like to clean things out. My wife will tell you it drives her crazy. Like when I clean the garage, I'm like, I don't know what that is trash. I don't know what that is trash. And I like, I don't save anything. I just, I want everything neat and clean and organized. And so clutter, IT clutter to me, legacy systems and old machines and rooms full of switches. We may need that for a part someday. Oh my God, it drives me insane. The, the room of hoarding, right? IT oh, we had that. hoarding rooms everywhere, man. I would open, I'd be, what is this? I don't know. I'd be like, throw it all away. I'm like, if you can't tell me what it is, just get it out of my sight. You know, that's that that sun server still there. We might need it in case. Exactly. We, we, case oh, we, we kept it. all those hard drives because we don't know what's on them. I'm like, then just please crush them. <laughs> right? <laughs> See, John can say all the things that I'm thinking because I'm still in government, but I, yeah, I, I, I know exactly what he's talking about. Right? Herman's got to be a little more and, circumspect. I don't I don't have to do that anymore. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, and, and those legacy people where I started off with goes hand in hand with those legacy, you know, systems and hardware, right? And, and I think that's what John was talking about. We've, we've worked on some projects where, like we were, I worked on another project, you know, where the staff was like, this system is broken. It doesn't work, right? We need to replace it. And we we're like, okay, well, you know, we found another solution. And as we were going to, through the build implementation of that solution, they wanted to implement the exact same broken processes in the new system that they complained about that didn't work in the old system because they were stuck in hey this is the way i do my job even though i know this is inefficient and it's broken but this is the way i've been doing it for the last 20 years and so therefore this is the only way i know how to do it and so let's let's build this new broken process into this new system right um so that's also a way of also keeping that legacy process or you know system in place even though it may be a new shiny system you know uh, and so that was an uphill battle that, you know, that I've had to, to face, you know, in my career. Yeah, that's a challenge where you have, and that's, that's another word, you, but you already touched on it as comfort level in IT. People just are so used to their ways. They, one, they don't think outside the box. And two, they, they get complacent. They're like, oh, I'm good. I, you know, if, if I just do this, I just, you know, I don't want the system upgrade. I don't want anything. Cause it's, it's just going to ruin my, my day. <laughs> um, and we're not going to solve world hunger here, but I was going to ask you real quick. It's like how, you know, you guys at your level, how do you guys manage those kind of people to influence them? They, that change is good. Like I said, we're not here to solve world, world hunger. So, yeah, I, yeah, I think, you know, I, I used to get asked a lot by my private sector friends, oh, you know, people in government are lazy and stuff like that. And I, I never found that to be true. I mean, I never found people work really hard, really long hours are really dedicated. They work really hard. It's not that people don't work hard in government IT people, back to the sort of pet peeve and what you're talking about with change. But the thing... That, that I see different now that I'm on the private sector side again, looking back at government is to your point, Glenn, what, what happens is I think people in government get fearful. They're fearful of change. They're fearful. It's not that they're not working hard. They just fear change and they fear learning and they fear, they fear to be blamed if something goes wrong. Right. So to stick with an old thing that, you know, even if it's broken or doesn't work well, 
you know, well, I didn't pick it. I just work with it. So you can't blame me for it. You know, um, I can't fail at learning something if I never try to learn something. So if, if I try to learn this new technology and I don't pass the course, I'm not going to get blamed for not being smart enough. I'll just never try. Or if I change, I, I you know, even though I don't like my process, Thurman's pointer job, at least I know it. And so I'm just going to stick with it. And so it, to me, it's not complacency as much as just fear. There's a lot of fear in government uh, and IT employees. And that's a, it's a pet peeve of mine, but, you know, I don't really blame people for it. It's just as a leader, how do you change that to your point? How do you get people to be less fearful and say, hey, you don't have to be afraid. I'm not going to fire you if that new system goes down. I'm not going to fire you if somebody doesn't like the new process. You know, I'm not going to discipline you if that's not perfect. Because there's just this whole culture of fear that I see. And I don't know what causes it. Like I said, I work for three different organizations. I observed it in every organization where there were just mainly what I saw, you know, this kind of goes to the animal world. I watch these animal programs and they say, you know, dogs usually bite people, not because they're angry, because they're scared, right? So, I mean, it's sort of that primal thing with people. I think when employees become fearful, it, it affects their behavior, right? And so that that appears that they're resistant to change or that they're lazy and people accuse them of being lazy or you don't like change, but what they really are is they're really just fearful, in my opinion. Yeah, that's a hard label. Yeah, well, I, yeah, well, I, I think the other piece of it too, though, is that it's also weariness, right? Is that change can be difficult and long, especially in government. And that you get to a point sometimes that when you first come in, right? When you, you you first come in, you're all excited, you're ready to go, you you wanna you know you wanna impress everybody, you wanna do these things. And as you're going through the motions, you realize, well, hold on, you know, as John mentioned earlier, right? This this low level, you know, mid level person who has had these files for 30 years on this server or whatever, who who threatens that, hey, you know what? If we if we change this, I gotta throw this away right, if that slows down your progress, right, as, as that new energetic person, and you're like, okay, well, you know, we got to try to figure out how do we work around this, work with this person to make this happen, and then maybe you you solve that problem, and then you get on to the next problem, where there's somebody else that says, oh, well, you know, this doesn't work or fit into, you know, my lane, uh, uh, because, I, because I do things this way, or whatever the case may be, and so then you kind of always are, are going over these hurdles, and and roadblocks and, and and trying to get through them to you get to a point where you're like well you know what it's just as easy also to just be like hey you know um i'm i'm weary i'm tired i'm just going to to stay with the status quo and just continue you know moving forward uh even though you're working very hard it seems that you know maybe you don't care or you know um but but once again that's government and i think the other piece too with the from the government from the private sector is everything the private sector is very much financially driven right mm -hmm. and you know you're you're all about profit in the bottom line so your management your ceos your, you know they're all looking at well hey how do we make more money how do we make more money right and so uh, that's your motivation and that's the push from the organization whereas in government it's not necessarily about making the money it's about providing services right and so sometimes those services don't equate out to a financial savings or at least one that's not visible i mean my CFO and I, we always have this this conversation because I say, well, you know, let's spend 10 grand and let's buy this product and it's going to make us more efficient because it's going to save people, you know, 20% of the time in their workday. Well, from a private industry standpoint, that equates out to a cost saving. In government, it's like, well, that's not really a cost savings. I still have to pay that person for eight hours a day or, 
you know, I still have to do these things and I like, but that's a different, it's a totally different mindset. Um, no, I, I learned that. So I think that uh, plays into it. Yeah. I learned that where I came from private to public and uh, someone drew a diagram, a triangle is like, here's, here's people, well, uh, time, people and money. And they said, well, take out, take out the money. It's, it's more about time <laughs> and the time just keeps continuing. And if you need extra money or to do that project, who cares about the money? It's, it, uh, it's all about that time. And that's, that's how I was, I was, I was taught that way. I was like, um, people really don't care about time uh, in the public sector because it's you, you guys, all of us has been in it. Well, you know, Herman and I are still in the public sector. Uh, John's not <laughs> where, you know, you, 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 you have your budget, you use it or you lose it. And then by the, by what, by fiscal year, about May, you've realized you have extra money and you're like, Oh, wait, I have this extra money. What can I buy right now? You know, what services can I buy? And then you, now you're just pushing a project so fast <laughs> or something so fast. It's like, cause I have the money and in a private, in a, in a private sector, I mean, I have my, my CapEx and my OpEx and and going there, it's like, okay, you know, how, you know, work, I, you know, gain capital and you know, what's my operational expense and stuff like that. So, um, so yeah, night and day difference uh, on that. And yeah, I, I would also so, say, you know, private sector, it's, uh, you know, fail fast, right. And, and restart government sector, it's fail slow, you know, but because we choose or we aim to not fail. Right. Yeah. Even though it may be the bad solutions, we've invested taxpayers' dollars into this. Let's continue down this road, and we have to figure out how to make it work. Yeah, yeah. It's safe to say now, Herman, that John actually pays our salary now since he's in the private side. It does. We I, see. I I still work for John. <laughs> we're we're all taxpayers. <laughs> we're 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 all taxpayers. We uh, you know, our taxes all go to the same place. So I think we all contribute. Yeah. Yeah, that hurt me this year. So yeah, anyway, let's not talk about Texas anymore. <laughs> so let me ask you guys this. Um, during, in, when you're, uh, uh, John, where you're at the county and city and uh, Herman, you're, you're still there uh, at the DA's office. Do you guys use surveys after uh, to see how your team's performing and you send out surveys to your end users? You guys use any of that? Well, yes, we do. Um, but we don't have end users. We have staff members in the DA's office. Um, I'm sorry. Oh no, we we use the word clients. Terms, but... I was just trying to be general since people are listening, they might not understand if I say client. We, we use the term customers when we were in San Mateo. Everybody was like, <laughs> "Oh, we'll talk about <laughs> IT language in a moment." That's another pet peeve of mine. And acronyms, there's so many of them, right? So anyway, right. Uh, yeah, let's but, talk but about yeah, no, no, yeah. In, in all seriousness, yes, we we send out surveys. Um, we send out surveys after we roll out, you know, new products. We send out surveys annually just to get a general ideal of um, how the team is performing, what areas they feel that we need to improve upon. Um, we do uh, also during our annual all hands meeting, we also provide statistics on IT on how many tickets came in, how uh, fast those tickets were closed out, what type of tickets they, they had uh, or we received over the, the course of the year just to kind of make everyone aware of the work that IT does. I think IT oftentimes up until COVID was really seen as one of those break fix organizations and people really didn't know or understand or cared about what IT, you know, did. Um, but now it's become very 
apparent and how important IT is to an organization if they want to survive. Yeah, I was, we, we did surveys. We had a help desk solution that like would randomly every X number of tickets that came in and, and we tried to push everybody really through the help desk solution. Um, so we got thousands a day, um, but, but randomly every five or 10 tickets that came in, the system would automatically sort of generate just a real, you know, how did we do thumbs up, thumbs down, or, you know, what was your level of satisfaction on a scale of one to five? And that was really helpful. Um, because for me, the psychology, uh, is, you know, people usually remember the last thing they heard and usually the things they hear are the problems, right? We don't usually talk about all the good things that happen. We talk about, Hey, everything was fine today, except X happened. So you kind of gloss over the 90% of all the good things that happened and just get right to, yeah, yeah, it was a good day. 90% of the things worked, but these 10 things didn't work. And so everybody then spends the whole time talking about that. So when you're when you're a CIO or an IT leader, one of my pet peeves was you'd go to a meeting and everybody'd say, oh, your department's terrible. I heard these 10 things today. You don't do anything right because all I heard today from my staff are these 10 things. And for me, the surveys were important not because I wanted to argue with people because I think it's really valuable when you get feedback from customers about what they like and don't like. But for me, it helped to have a balanced conversation with my fellow department heads because I'd say, yeah, you're right. Those 10 things were broken and we need to fix those. On the other hand, these other 900 things, look how happy your staff were. So overall, I think we're working together well as a team between our two departments, but we can always improve more. So let's let's acknowledge the good work both sides are doing to work together, but acknowledge that there's always room for an improvement. So let's call this an improvement process. You know, and Let's not say, because you did 10 things wrong, you failed in your terrible department, your staff are no good, let's say, you know, that just shows where we could continue to uh, improve the relationship or the, the working problem. It was, it was a pet peeve of mine in the sense that I think uh, people have a tendency just to focus on the negative because that's what they hear and they're, and we're all problem solvers, right? But it, it does create negative feelings sometimes between people and departments and that's unfortunate. And that's a challenge, especially in the public sector, especially if someone has political weight. And yeah, public have- sector is driven a lot by opinion, how people feel. Like to Herman's point, private sector, somebody can be upset, but if you hit your number, or did two extra sales, you're like, well, I'm sorry you're unhappy, but look all the revenue I brought in there. Like, yeah, good point. We all got a bonus. Let's go home. Right. <laughs> you know, <laughs> and in public sector, you know, it's I'm upset and I'm going to be upset now for the next 20 years while we work together. I'm never going to get over that. Right. And that's, that's hard. That's a hard mountain to climb. Yeah. Are you guys, um, uh, when you're at county and uh, at the DS, are any of your staff union or they're not union? Yeah. Union? Yeah. Yeah. They're a union. Yeah. Okay. What about you, John, when you were at county? Or yeah, every, every job I've ever been in, uh, 90% of my staff were all union. Very few of my managers were non-union. So, yeah, that's just, you just have to acknowledge that and work with that. You know, it is, it's just one of the factors of being in public sector, I think. Yeah. Here's one of my pet. But, you know, but you, to, go ahead. No, what well, I was just going to say is I, is I do think that that is a very, you know, is an item that is a pet peeve of mine that um, I really wouldn't have considered it a pet peeve until John, you know, started talking about it and mentioning it as being a pet peeve for him as well, is is the negative um, connotation that comes with being in IT, right? Yes. From, from staff, end users, clients, whatever you, however you refer to them as in your organization. Uh, and one of the things that I do to try to counter that 
is one is we have new hire orientation. And so I do the new hire orientations and I tell the new hires that, hey, you know, I think I have a great team. They're not perfect, you know, so things may not go well for you. Let me know when things don't go well for you. But at the same time, if you feel that someone has gone above and beyond, you know, let me know about that as well. You know, I think that uh, that's just as important, especially or more important in government, uh, is being able to hear the good things that people are doing and be able to relay that back to to your team so that they understand that, hey, you know, somebody recognized you for doing a great job. It's not always the negative stuff that you get, you know, acknowledged for. Here's something positive that you did, and it makes them feel good and makes them, you know, feel appreciated. And since I can't really, I can't give them bonuses and, and do other things that I could do in the private sector is I have to find some way to help motivate them and keep them motivated in their job. Yeah, and, and that's a challenge, especially in the public sector, where I remember just being out in the tech where, you know, hey, you're doing a great job, and okay, thanks, and they don't say anything to my manager, my director, it just gets swept under the rug, it's like, okay, you know, and literally, I would go, hey, if you don't mind say, saying something to my manager, it's like, I really have to ask, instead of them just, you know, taking that step forward of like, oh, you know what, let me write an email to your to your boss, and um, and let them know how well you are. And because people are just going by their day and just don't realize it. Sometimes end users, customers, clients, <laughs> whatever we want to use, uh, where they would, you know, like sit back. It, if you're in finance, HR, you know, our IT people there, they're, they're there where, you know, we're just known like, oh, you know, IT. Oh, yeah, you guys just fixed my computer. Well, appreciate us for doing that you know but we also do more behind the scenes to make your day a lot easier and smoother and now we try to make your day a lot easier and smoother at home <laughs> since you know hybrid well here i'm working from home so <laughs> which is really nice i don't have to drive into the office that much but um that's that's a challenge for us for it is how to break that mold of like oh yeah you fix our stuff we do more than that. And uh, makes me wonder is like, how can we express our, you know, you know, we just don't show up and just say, Oh, let me get you a new mouse. And you know, that's what they think, but we do more than that. And I was wondering, how do we express that to, to HR or finance or to, to marketing that? So to the, yeah, go ahead. Well, I didn't say is I think one of our jobs as leaders is education, right? Is we have to educate everyone. Um, I'm educating the executive staff on the importance of cybersecurity. I'm educating them on, you know, what is it that IT staff members do? You know, kind of to that point is um, the DA's office in particular, at this point in time, we have the largest IT staff that we've ever had in the organization, in the history of the organization. And, you know, and they say, oh, you know, we want to do X, right? And it's some specialized IT function and they're like, oh, well, but you have, you know, all these people in IT, you know, you guys should be able to do it. And I'm like, well, no, there's, there's specialized functions, and, you know, um, that people in IT do. So not just because we're in IT, we can do everything that's IT related, uh, first and foremost. Um, I'm going to digress here and I'm going to tell this quick story that, that when you originally started talking about this is um, when I was earlier in my career, I was out working actually happened to be for a law firm. And they were just implementing uh, workstations to all their staff members. And so we set up all the workstations and one of the staff members actually had a issue with their workstation. 
And so I was the lucky person to come in to, to work on their, on their machine. So as I'm working on, on the issue, um, she tells me, she's like, hey, you know what? My son is in the fourth grade. He can do what you do. And I says, really? Okay. Well, why don't you have him come in and do it? Because it's a hell of a lot less expensive than having me do it. Right? Yeah. And she was like, oh, oh, you know, that's not what I meant. That's not what I meant. I meant, you know, that he's good with computers, right? He knows how to turn on the computer and whatnot. I was like, oh, because what I do and what your son in fourth grade may do is two different, totally different things. Um, even though I wouldn't say that probably today because most third and fourth graders probably do know more than I do about technology uh, when it comes to, you know, social media and, and, and some of the other, you know, newer applications and so forth. But I think it's always a challenge because, you know, especially for people that do not understand what it takes to get technology working, um, that they do see us as not their equals. Right, or that we're just the, the support people there. We're just here to, to, to assist. Um, I've also had to be very clear with the executive staff that, you know, IT training takes a lot of education, knowledge, brains, smarts. Um, and that just because we didn't decide to be a lawyer or a doctor or, you know, some other, you know, architect, you know, highly re revered, you know, occupation is that we're no less intelligent than these people are. Right, it's just um, we chose a different career path than they did, um, and so I'd like to see them perform their jobs without IT support, whether that's you know the desktop support person or the network engineer or the architect that's designing the infrastructure that supports them being able to do their job. Yeah, um, that that is. I don't know what to say from there. That's a lot. That is a lot. <laughs> Did I just drop the mic on you? Yeah, I, I think you have. <laughs> left him speechless. You left me speechless there. You went deep on me, man. <laughs> well, you know. No, but uh, you, you asked the question, but I mean, it's no. But no. I, I think it's a challenge, right? I mean, and I was active duty military, and we had this thing, you know, this saying in the military, right? You choose your rate, you choose your fate. So you couldn't be upset at someone else because. They had a, a cushy job, you know, like with me being in IT, right? It's, you know, I was in a nice air conditioned space. Um, whereas the, the, the boats and mates, you know, they were outside in, in 90 degree weather, 100 degree weather, you know, painting the side of the, the boat hanging over the, the side of the ship. Um, and, and just the opposite too, right? In the winter, they were out in the rain and, and working, and I was in an enclosed, you know, air conditioned, you know, protected space. Um, but you know that was what you did right is you choose your job you choose your rate and i think that's the same in, in private public industry right is we've all made decisions to 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 do what it is that we we love enjoy or, or pays the bills right um and and so it doesn't make us any less of a person no no and i for us you know for everyone in it i'm gonna let you know we're, we're talking about um overall perspective of it uh, people are probably wondering, well, were you, my pet peeve is those, those printers or that old server. I'm like, we're not going to talk about that because I'm going to let you know that probably John, Herman, and I, um, we, 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 we never touched. Well, we used to touch those things. We just don't touch those things anymore. <laughs> this is a, it's a whole, nother, whole nother ball game we're talking about. This is for people, um, people that wanting to get into a leadership role that's why my my thing is called managing with common sense because once you become a manager 
you know, you got to have some common sense becoming a manager. And, um, and that's a lot of challenges for managers. Like I'm going to be in next, I'm going to be in Vegas next week. Uh, I'm going to be, uh, I'm present. My presentation is like how to coach the underperformer. And the challenges for a lot of new managers or, you know, anything in the leadership role, like, like, it's like coaching. Like when you wanted to be a coach, who taught you how to coach? Right. If you, and you know, the sport, but who actually taught you how to co- be a coach? So you got to look back at your previous coaches back in the days. For managers, it's like, well, I'm a manager now. I really don't know who I have to look up to. And that's a challenge for, for new managers. And this is a type of podcast. Like, that's why I brought John here and Herman here, where, you know, you can see it from their level and have their understanding for it. And this is about pet peeve. So we're not going to talk about a printer issue at all. So we're talking about like organizational problems that, drive us nuts. Like, I'm going to give an example. I, I know John's uh, taking care of an issue right now, but um, meetings that don't mean anything, <laughs> where you go up, where you show up, and we just talked about this earlier, but I didn't p- press the record button, but uh, where you show up, uh, one thing I hate, well, not hate, hate's a bad word. One of the challenges <laughs> And when I go into meetings is, do I bring a value to the meeting? And I, we always get this one person in the meeting that wants to drive just for them, but yet they, they, you try to help them, you're trying to guide them to get the right answer, but they just want the answer from someone else. And that drives me crazy. Uh, of when someone keeps looping back there, uh, oh man, uh, and uh, I'm going to end this soon. And I just want to end this with this, you know, with meetings. So meetings that don't, have you been in meetings where you just show, you're like, why am I here? <laughs> or or people don't make decisions and it just frustrates you that they just don't make a decision and we should have made a decision on this. Uh, all the time, but I think what's more frustrating than being in a meeting that is not moving the needle forward is our meetings that where you're rehashing the same old things over again after the decision has already been made. I think to me that is the most frustrating thing and one of my biggest pet peeves about a meeting. Um, you know, when I go to a meeting, is I, I want to be informed of of something new and. I want to be able to make a decision or the group or whoever needs to make a decision, make a decision, and we move on. Um, Not necessarily going to a meeting and and talking about, well, are we going to do A or B? Um, And then we make the decision at the end of the meeting, we're going to do A, and then we come back a week later to get a status update on A, and we start talking about, are we going to do A or B? Um, That that is not productive. That's not not a good use of of my time or anybody's time, right? but I'll, I'll let John upon because I feel like I've kind of been monopolized. This will be my last uh, question, John, for the day. I know we're going to cut this short. I know you have some issues to take care of. So any comment on this this, this last one? Yeah, I, I was actually talking about this. It, it happens both in public sector and private sector. Um, so it's not it's not unique, I hate to say, to one or the other. You know, yeah. I was I was telling somebody the other day, 
you know, I, I kind of have the spectrum in my head when I go to a meeting or I even meet one-on-one -on -one with a person that's sort of like on one end of the spectrum, there's talkers and then there's doers, right? <laughs> and uh, sometimes you end up in a meeting just like, everybody wants to be the person talking everybody wants to seem like they've got something important to say but i sit there in the meeting i'm like okay but who's really going to do something like we're all talking everybody's talking but i don't really see anybody taking notes i don't really see anybody that i see in this meeting is going to take any action or follow up on this and i i did in government get fatigued by that but i'll be honest with you i get fatigued with that in the private sector i've been in an equal number of those meetings when i'm private sector now where People just love to talk, man. They uh, they love meetings. They love to talk. And uh, I guess I've gotten to the point where I'm kind of rude. We're all just halfway through. I'll just be like, hey, are we, is this going somewhere? Is there, what are we trying to achieve? Is there an outcome? Because I got all this, I got stuff I got to do, you know, and, and we've been here for 30 minutes and people are talking and talking and talking, but I don't really see we're going in a real direction and I can't contribute. Maybe you all are going to do something else, but I don't see how I fit into this or or uh, what my role in this is, and unless there's something I can do to help move things forward, then I'm gonna I'm gonna skedaddle and go do something else, right? And I know people, you know, interpret that as well. John's not a team player; he's not buying. It's not that. I just, you know, I'm a doer. I like to get stuff done. And I find it is a pet peeve. I, you know, I maybe it's my ADD kicks in or something, but I just like, you know, I, after 15 minutes in a meeting, I'm just like, okay, is this going somewhere? Because I start to get really fidgety and anxious. And if it's just people talking and no doing, I. Uh, I don't find those meetings productive for me. I find them really, really frustrating. Well, and as a leader, you know, sometimes you have to be, you know, to use your word, Don, you know, Ruth, you know, I've been in meetings where, um, you know, we're, we're talking about a solution or talking about, you know, a product or whatever the case may be. And there's the one person in the room that, you know, wants to be heard, but just keeps regurgitating the exact same thing over and over. And you get to a point where like, hey, you know what, if you don't have anything that's productive to offer to the conversation, then either you need to leave the meeting or you need to sit there and be quiet, right? But um, we can't keep regurgitating the same old thing because it's noted, you know, we've heard you, you're on record with, you know, whatever the case may be, um, but we got to move forward because we do have a limited time. And, you know, as, as leaders, we spend the majority of our time in meetings, you know, throughout the day. And, um, and like John, as a uh, I can only sit in a meeting for so long before my brain starts to wonder and, and I'm thinking about, you know, what do I need to do to get something done, right? Or what email do I need to send? Who do I need to talk to? Who do I need to call, right, to make something happen? Um, and, and that's what I tell my team, you know, we, I have a weekly team meeting with my team. I said, your update shouldn't be no more than two to five minutes, right? Because all I really care about is what do you have going on? What are your roadblocks? And what do I need to do to remove the roadblocks? Who do I need to call? Who do I need to talk to? Right. Um, and that's also me just trying to also empower my team to make decisions on their own and to, to do what they still need to, to be done to improve the services that we provide to to our customers, our staff. Yeah. Well, awesome. Well, you two, I know we're at time. I want to thank both of you for for being on my podcast and uh, bringing bringing some uh, good IT pet peeves and coming, you know, and tell me some great stories i really appreciate it um stories and pretty much the stories are experience so any lost com comments or you know words of wisdom to 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 my listeners I, I i believe i like have over 300 listeners it's pretty amazing <laughs> so um i could be wrong 
according to Spotify, it says I have over 300 listeners. So who knows? Anyway, I just words of wisdom to 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 my listeners out there before we sign off. I I just want to thank you both. You know, being a public servant, I know you both still work as public servants uh, for institutions and. I just say you have my great respect and admiration for all the hard work you and your teams do. So thanks for having me on the podcast. It was fun. I'm always happy to share my pet peeves, but I'd say overall, my experience in public sector was really positive. And uh, you all exemplify why I like working in public sector because of good people like you. So keep up the good work. Thanks. Herman? Yeah, well, thank you, John, um, for that. And But I but I lead it, I leave that to... Um, you know, to, to the mentors that come before me, right? It's, it's the example that you set and having worked for you in public sector, it is about giving back to the community and the reward of, you know, being a public sector that, that keeps me in the public sector. Um, I love what I do from a technology perspective, but it's even more so uh, to be able to see that hard work going to good, you know, good uh, use, uh, good activities. Glenn, thank you for, for having me. Um, I'd say, you know, from a pet peeves perspective, a, a leadership perspective, there are a number of pet peeves that you may not even think about that are, are pet peeves. I know you had mentioned acronyms and we didn't get into the acronym thing, but I have an acronym for you. I won't leave you with that acronym, uh, but we'll say that. So hopefully I get invited back and, and, and I can share that acronym with you and, and, uh, and what it means, because it does kind of fold into leadership and it's what I brought to, to my team here at the, at the DA's office to, to, to kind of inspire them to, to do better and, and, and be better. So thank you. No, thank you. Thank you for both. And don't worry, you guys will get invited back because we, we're not finished yet because we got to get over acronyms and we'll talk about other IT stuff. That, I mean, this could just be a little like ongoing thing with just three of us and we could just talk shop. You know, it's like the auto shop. We could talk shop, but IT stuff. So if you guys are okay with that, we could set up some times and we could do that all day. I mean, we could talk about wine for God's sakes. So... <laughs> I, I, mean, I know there's nice two. I know there's have back there. I know there's two different colors. I'll, I'll, that's about all I can add to that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> well, all right, John, thank you, everybody. There's, uh, there's like four different colors, but uh, oh, four, yeah. Shoot. Four. All right, I failed that <laughs> right. test too. Darn it! All, all right, right. <laughs> take care, everybody, uh, and take care for listening. Be be nice and uh, be human. All right, take care. Bye. Hey, that was a great conversation with Herman and John. Well, I want to thank them for being on my podcast, especially talking about IT pet peeves. That's a great topic. We barely scraped the surface on that. I'm going to have to invite them back to continue that conversation. All right, everybody. Glad you're listening. If you like like it, give it a thumbs up. If you want to follow, follow. I know it's been a while. I'm going to try to stay consistent on uh, producing more podcasts uh, about IT and managing with common sense. So, yeah. Be kind, be human, and I'll talk to you later. See you, everybody. Bye.